Welcome back to the 90th episode of In Omnia Paratus. I am your solo host, Jay. Unfortunately, everyone in my life has somehow gotten strep throat and or COVID. So I am doing a surprise slash not surprise because this is my show solo episode. Am I ready for this? Not really because it's sporadically planned on a Tuesday, but here we are. As I'm not great at talking to myself without anyone else, like I don't physically need anyone to respond to me, but I do like not even eye contact because I don't make eye contact with people. I just like knowing another like living human is there because I do have pets, but that doesn't really fulfill the need. I thought I would do a fast ranting favorites of the month since this is coming out at the end of September. We are entering or we are mid Libra season. I know Mercury is in Gatorade, Mercury is in the microwave. So for most people in my life, life's not going hot right now but according to my personal TikTok as a Libra sign my life is allegedly thriving and my soulmate is coming to my life in the next 14 days so sorry for everyone else (laughs) my favorites of this month I feel like because it's me and I'm type A and neurotic we have to do it by categories so the first we'll go with entertainment the don't worry darling Venice drama is just or was just a hot mess that I was eating up I loved Florence Pugh as an actor or an actress, whatever we want to go with. Love Harry Styles. Olivia Wilde was always eh, like cool that she was doing things. Actually, now that I watched Ted Lasso, I like her husband a lot more. I hope nothing bad comes out about that situation. Like, I know there were the divorce paper things, but like, I also heard there's a way to get around that. So like, they even each other out, in my opinion. But the Venice drama, the red carpet, justice for Gemma Chan and Chris Pine, because they did not only not get asked enough questions, but they had to be in the middle of like this love triangle weird fest of the other three. Harry and Florence as of today, I believe still follow each other on Instagram. So I feel like we can have some sort of like, thank goodness for that. P-U-G-H, Florence Pugh is, Florence Pugh is still followed by Harry Styles. And we'll go on Harry Styles and see if Florence, nope, that's not how you spell Florence. <laughs> Florence Pugh does still follow Harry. So I feel like that's a good sign. Um, I saw a Instagram like clickbait title to the extent of Olivia Wilde saying, I didn't hire Miss Flo. She didn't say Miss Flo. I'm saying Miss Flo because it's so great that that was ever used. I didn't hire her to like be on social. I hired her to act. And I feel like Olivia Wilde is doing her best to try to cover it up. But like, this is like not workplace drama that became workplace drama. It's just really messy, but hilarious to go through. So I'm excited. I plan on seeing the movie. I hope it's not too scary. I heard people said that, okay, some early screeners said this movie gave them the ache about Harry Styles, but like as y'all have heard in my One Direction episode with Lily, I've been a Harry Styles stan since I saw him saying, isn't she lovely on the X Factor with his cute little dimples and then watching the 4K music videos. So like it would take a lot for me to get the ick, but also it's like being able to like separate the character from the actor, from the human, from the performer. So yeah, like the character and if the character does give you an ick, it's kind of a good thing. It's like, wow, he can also act. So like EGOT question mark. Anyway, we are always and forever will be team Harry Styles in whatever endeavors he chooses to pursue that are legal, ethical, and have him smiling because the dimples just 
I can't. My next entertainment favorite would be a continuation of Love Island. I know last Tuesday part two came out where I use Love Island as like a condensed version of why dating is hard in this generation or this time frame and the lack of communication that complicates things. But I've since watched seasons three and five of Love Island UK per Lily's recommendation and three was kind of a letdown. I felt like everyone was like just toxic and like in it more for the strategy than the love part but I feel like I don't know if maybe earlier on they were pushing more of the game show vibes because they didn't think anyone would work out but in season three like I'm not gonna spoil too much but two of the couples actually end up getting married and having babies and are still together and that was like in 2015 so like seven year long relationships so like maybe once they saw people were actually forming connections it got better but also like everyone wasn't great on camera which like I get but when you're filmed for that long it took till like weeks like six and seven for me to start like being like oh okay and then I watched season five and season five is a whole mess in itself that I really want to get Lily back on here to discuss because I have so many thoughts so many thoughts unfortunately I will say only one couple has still made it strong to this day and I'm not surprised surprised by the couple that made it I'm kind of surprised season five had like a great had like a few great things that I loved like one I will I'm not gonna like spoil too much but it's like one couple got together halfway through and then like made it to the end and it's crazy because you didn't think necessarily like that plot twist there were a lot of plot twists like even until like weeks six and seven and eight I can never tell by the episode count how many weeks they're there but like it's between six to eight some couples like only got together like week six through eight and like there were a lot of will they won't they and I don't know the people also just felt a lot more relatable a lot more likable a lot more natural particularly in like the beauty department I felt like everyone was a lot more naturally pretty rather than like the sorry I'm a feminist women can do whatever they want with their bodies but like the over plastic surgery that was like Love Island US this past season I can't I really really can't I think you should be able to do what you want with your body and I also think that there is something to people's natural beauty and enhancing it rather than all trying to go to the same surgeons to look the same way. I don't know. There's also, this is a side note, there's this thing on TikTok, this study that's like how our society is like devoid in color and going more minimalist, which is like showing a lack of culture and some other things and like it's a graph literally of color disappearing from the planet and like I feel like that's also happening like with facial features between like all the surgeries and things people do to alter themselves. Like we're all like looking the same but like trying to still be different and like beauty standards I don't know food for thought frankly it's since it's me it's like buffet for thought you can go like you can keep going back for more it's all you can eat and I'm going in many directions so like have fun PSA always don't stuff off on like carbs like when you had all you can eat sushi or kbbq or go to a buffet don't do the pasta and the rice and stuff because that fills your stomach faster go for like the like meat or the fish or the things that like are worth your money out of the buffet anyway so that still on a love island train I don't know if I want to watch the other seasons because like five really like three left we have really bad taste in my mouth but then five like left it like a good taste so I feel like I want to keep Love Island in my head and in the place I have it safe and sacred and then like I will continue with the new seasons as they come and like see what it's like being a live fan but that's for TV and then I saw a movie that I saw getting a little bit of attention and it, the castle is stacked um called Do Revenge this past weekend it's on Netflix 
I believe there's a lot of it's a women writer director all these great things and it stars Maya Hawk, who I believe is in Stranger Things and Camila Mendez from Riverdale and some I think she was also in Bad Noah Centineo Laura Murano um Netflix rom-com it's I think it's the perfect match I think or something like that they like Noah Centineo kind of like junior like pimps himself out kind of like holiday but like for proms and for homecomings and like other things like that don't recommend but like she was in that movie too this movie do revenge it's i don't even know if you can call it a rom-com kind of i don't want it's new i don't want to spoil it but i really enjoyed it i saw obviously i like saw built into the hype of it i wasn't gonna watch it but then i was hearing like a lot of people talk about how good it was and i was like okay like let's see it the uniforms are like a pistachio and a lavender of the teen girls in the private school a quick synopsis is camila mendez plays drea torres who's like queen bee of this preppy high school she's like has like the boyfriend who's like school president and super rich she's a scholarship student so she had to like work her way through the social ranks to get to where she was well actually she met her boyfriend freshman year so like he helped her the summer of their junior year she sends a sex tape to her boyfriend that of course inevitably gets leaked for the whole school the whole world and then it's kind of her fallout of trying to prove he did it and along the way at tennis camp she meets Maya Hawk's character whose name I feel just saw this movie um she meets Maya Hawk's character who is transferring to her school who also has a vendetta to cast against um someone at her school she Maya Hawk plays Eleanor and she is rich wealthy and lesbian by curious not heterosexual is the point point. and so it's about them helping to fight each other's battles while also just being extremely funny extremely well written it's very self-aware like Drea Torres keeps making references to her like do you really want to attack like a scholarship POC student so kind of like self-awareness about like the woke culture again StatCast Sophie Turner is in it Miss Sarah Michelle Geller is in it Ethan from Euphoria is in it and I swear to god he's been in so many things that I've watched I will never recognize him I will never recognize him until someone tells me that's Ethan from Euphoria I like will see him and I'm like you look familiar and I will never know who he is is period he's one of those actors it's like I have a relatively good memory I remember things that a lot of people may or may not remember details but like once I either choose to remember a name incorrectly or forget someone like it's not coming back and I've accepted this about myself oh and then I think her name is like Alicia or Alicia from 13 Reasons Why I don't know if that's her character name or her real name she's in it she plays Tara it's very funny very interesting plot twist that like I didn't expect and like I feel like probably people some people do some people don't I think like they do a very good job of misdirecting so even if you think you know very funny self-aware well written it really had a lot of like these elements of these early 90s nostalgia 2000s rom-coms that I haven't seen in a while but what I'm trying to figure out now is like would I have had the feeling if this movie had come out in like my youth period of like the early 2000s would I have felt it belonged in those movies or do I feel it belongs in those movies because like that's my point of reference like I would be really curious to hear about how girls or anyone watching this movie now in the demographic I was when watching like she's all that 10 things I hate about you 27 dresses bride wars felt about or like if you want to stick the high school then she's all about 10 things I hate about you 13 going on 30 like how people felt about those would be the same feeling to this but like 
different generations. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but like I understand this and I think people who talk to me enough understand the point I'm trying to go for, which is just that I'd like to hear other perspectives because like this movie felt very reminiscent of this time while still being very modern. And I'm curious how this movie will hold up over, not over generations, that's like a bit dramatic, but will hold up comparing it. And obviously I feel extra vindicated because drama queen herself, Sophia Bush, like made a dedicated Instagram post to this film and like recommending it, how it gave her John Tucker Must Die vibes, which obviously I love. John Tucker Must Die was one of my favorite, favorite movies from back then, which is kind of surprising. When I rewatched it as an adult, there were so many weird facts. So many things like, oh my God, I remember my biggest revelation about this movie. Sorry, I can tell I'm talking fast. Like the lines are going up super, super close together, but also this is so episode and this is Jay by herself talking. So like you really expect I mean, you really shouldn't be surprised that I'm loud and that I'm slurring my words together quite a bit. She brought up John Tucker Must Die and I realized when you're watching it as an adult, I thought this movie was made for like girl empowerment. It had Penn Badgley, it had Britney Snow. Speaking of justice for her, cause that shithead selling OC husband of hers, I have not watched that show, but like he seems up to no good and he's already making out with his co-star or whatever. So disrespect on her name. I hope Anna Kendrick goes after him. But Britney Snow and Penn Badgley, Ashanti, Ariel Keeble, who just for her never got to lead, but she was in some of the most iconic things from that time period. Like, I felt like the movie was about them. Oh, and then I also love the actor who unfortunately kind of went Christian, um, but I loved him on Desperate Housewives and like a few other things. Like how that movie is like made for men, but like people are like, no, it's wrong. I like, Sophia Bush and Britney Snow kissing. The fact that Sophia Bush has the line, like even when like it's not my day, he still ends up with my skirt. Like all of the jokes are like massage, super misogynistic jokes that like made for men. And so like, it's like one of those rom-coms that I'm sure like girls like would drag their boyfriend to but the boyfriend would have like a freaking great experience. Now I'm back to talking about the movie Do Revenge on Netflix, which I think everyone should watch. It has also very similar to like not another teen movie vibes, like that funny, like self-aware, but like being in on the joke. Yes, I think it's good. I think it's funny. I think all, I mean, I don't say all, but I think a lot of people would enjoy it and I recommend everyone at least give it a listen. Oh my God. I feel like such a bad zillennial, millennial, whatever we want to call me. By definition, I'm a millennial, but like when I'm only a millennial for two months, I don't know. I'm a cusp Libra Scorpio and I consider my cusp Gen Z millennial, but whatever you want to call it, I can't believe I'm doing a favorites episode, but rather going off the TikTok trend, which for those of you who don't know, I mean, I don't think it originated here, but like this format of like an in and out list really, my sense memory comes back to the click books. I should have done what is in and what is out, but we're already on this route, so I'm just gonna continue with my favorites. I might have to do an episode of that coming up. So we did entertainment. We did the show, the movie, and the entertainment drama I'm into. Next, we can go with, I mean, for fashion, I don't have any particular pieces or anything trends that I'm loving. I feel like the biggest thing I have with fashion, that's just like an observation more than an opinion is like, there are, are a lot of videos. And again, once you watch a video in an algorithm on a social media platform, it serves you more of it. Like how to update, it's like millennials, here's how you update your wardrobe. Here's what you do. Like get rid of your skinny jeans, do this, blah, blah, blah. It's like, if you invest in quality pieces of either denim or coats or t-shirts or whatever, and like neutral colors, 
those are staples those are like good for like a capsule wardrobe but they're also just going to last the test of time like a lot of moms from the 80s are pulling out or maybe not from the 80s maybe i guess from the 2000s are pulling out low-rise jeans or from the 80s are pulling out like levi's 501s like people are pulling out old good quality denim from the generations either to rewear now or to give to their kids if they no longer fit or they don't think they think the trend's too young for them but like if I remember seeing a thing like black over the knee like fitted boots like those are very millennial it's like those are very classic pieces that have like that have survived the test time through the generations and I think we can say like okay with fashion maybe there are ways to style pieces that are more dated but I think for people to be like I remember seeing this one they're like denim jackets are chuggy it's like denim jackets have been like cooler for double your lifetime <laughs> So like, sure, the way you style it might be different. Like maybe for the early 2000s, there's like the Canadian tuxedo, which we're seeing back, which like Britney and Justin made iconic. Like, and I'm sure someone did that before they did. But like fashion, like trends come and go, style and the way to style pieces come and go. And I think like, wear what you want, wear what makes you comfortable. And I think the big lesson that I'm happy that at least is going to talk about more than it used to is like tailoring is everything like more than what like what's in trend what's stylish clothes that fit clothes that are tailored to you will look better than any trend you try because when clothes look like they're made for your proportions for your shape for your bust for your hips for your arms when it's the most i have issues with the word but like when it's most flattering it can be you're gonna feel great because clothes that are ready-made aren't made for a specific body type like I think it's very well proven that a size eight between even one brand of jeans is different than a size 10. Like I know I have like some tops or some bot shorts that are like a six that are like a and then some that are a 12. And so it's like you can't let that mess you up. And it's like also like the quality. Like I have one pair of jeans I love that I got at the Nordstrom anniversary sale in 2017 by AG. It's their fair cut. I have two cuts. I have one and then I have one that I've never worn because I like the style and I like the way these jeans fit me so well. They have a light tiger striping at the top but it's not too much but what it does is particularly on my frame is it helps to curve out my hips a little bit I don't have big hip dips but like I don't I think I don't know I'm in the middle of a fitness journey or we can say just trying to work out to be healthier whatever we want to call it I'm noticing my body's natural frame when like I lose a little bit is like I would have hip dips but like right now it's filled in because I'm not as optimal shape as I would like to be so I'm noticing that and like these tiger stripes help to do it so it's like there's a purpose and an intentionality behind it that I like all this to say where are you want where it makes you feel good and millennials why are we letting like 16 year olds dictate that we should still be shopping at Abercrombie granted I still shop at Hollister because their jeans fit me really well and I'm short but like whenever it's like oh my god Abercrombie's so trendy it's like you're looking at a 16 year old Abercrombie was also trendy for you when you were 16 that was the demographic that Abercrombie markets to they don't market to older people we just never let go of it one because I think millennials have like a bigger thing of nostalgia than other generations which I'd be curious to like read a research paper or hear people like go into more depth on and two depends on your body shape if the clothes still fit like jeans are made for a height and a measurement not for like an age demographic so like if the jeans still fit buy them that's my little fashion right um in terms of skincare I've been doing this thing by Dr. Whitney I think Bowen Bone not sure on TikTok 
she has coined this phrase skin cycling, which a lot of dermatologists are. It's just a quick way to like do a routine that is consistent. Consistency with skincare is like the big thing. In her routine, it kind of helps because I think like me and a lot of people who love skincare, you own so many products from like acids to exfoliants to enzymes to retinols to tretinoid to vitamin C to hyaluronic acid. And you never know what to use with what and like what helps what, what doesn't help what. And it's a big kind of shit show. So in her routine, you you keep the same morning routine every single day, but you do one day where you kind of use your exfoliant, so physical and chemical or enzymatic. Then the second day you use your retinol, tretinoid, vitamin A, and then the next two days you do recovery. So lots of hydration, serums, essences, hyaluronic acid, and you kind of repeat that every four days. I have seen videos from her about how you can switch it to every three. So I do a three because I tend to have oilier skin. So I just go exfoliate, retinol, recover. But I've also been seeing from dermatologists that products like retinols are supposed to be used more often. So I'm looking at maybe doing like exfoliate, thinking of maybe doing retinol like more to just see if it, how my skin will react. Last time I did get prescription retinol, I like overly peeled. So I do think I need like the break, but maybe it's like I exfoliate twice a week. I don't know. I'm thinking of working on my plan, but I will say I have done this for about, I don't know, a month or two at this point, And I have noticed a difference in like the glowiness of my skin. I've never had a lot of bad texture. I've never had bad skin. So I'm not trying to come at this place. Like I got like cured my acne and I have no frown lines or wrinkles. Cause I didn't really have those things before, but I have noticed an extra glow in my skin. I feel like my skin looks more plump than it used to. I feel like I'm starting to see a little bit of changes in some of my sunspots and I normally get very red and irritated and flame skin when I work out, when I get stressed, when I'm in the heat too long. I'm realizing even that's starting to calm down. So I think that something in my routine is working for me. So it's worth a try. You can do it with sensitive skin. You can do it with any type of skin. It's just about using the correct products. We have two skincare episodes on this podcast. One with me by myself. I think it's like 30 something about breaking down ingredients and the importance of the ingredients and what would work where. And then Angela speaking of her experience with skincare and what she's found helpful to go back to. Or you can always DM us or watch the numerous people on TikTok who say it. I would say if you are using social media as your main form, look for dermatologists, like look for board certified people, not just people like me giving an opinion, because although I do know a lot, I would say probably more than the average person and like my friends come to me for recommendations. I think if you really are looking to change, improve, like transform your skin, a board certified dermatologist would be your best option. Okay, beauty, fashion, entertainment, music. Um, okay, I guess music and mental health for me would kind of like overlap. So I saw this thing about listen to this music if you have ADHD. According to social media, I've been diagnosed with so many things that luckily I'm not like a hypochondriac or someone who like is easily thinks I'm dying of like a paper cut. But they were saying like listen to this music if you have ADHD and it's like it's called bilateral listening. It's a technique of EMDR, which stands for eye motion, rapid movement, something. I don't know. The whole point is to help. Okay, so this is me, layman, not a therapist, psychologist, anyone just kind of trying to explain this. Basically, EMDR is trying to have your eyes move rapidly to help you remember and process unresolved trauma and the bilateral listening component is like one of the things they do that like connects the size of your brain which can kind of give you a sense of calm so I started listening to all these bits on TikTok and then I went onto YouTube and then I went onto Spotify and I found all these playlists of music put on like my good quality headphones or even my airpods actually worked a lot and I just sat and listened and like the first night I did it it felt like I put like a weighted blanket on my brain like it just felt so calming and it felt 
else. So like, I mean, it was kind of weird because so the bilateral listening is just utilizing both sides of your brain for different parts. But then there's also eight and 90 music, which is like that, but for more modern day music and more like festival vibes, EDM music, where like, according to a few of my friends I asked, it sounds like they put like a mic, but they rotate the mic. Like imagine like that camera that people have where you're standing on a podium and like the camera's rotating around you. Kind of the vibe that they told me with this, but like it's that, but with music. So like when you put your headphones on, not too loud, but pretty loud, it really sounds like the sound is coming out like much farther away to either side of you than it actually is. Like I took my headphones off at one point because I thought that it was like coming from like another room or like my neighbors like to have parties. So like I thought that was happening and it wasn't what was happening. It was really crazy, but I highly recommend it because I've been using it to help me like get calm or to refocus or just to like give myself like a grounding moment, we could say. I think it's nice. I don't think it's like gonna solve my trauma and resolve my life, but I think it's another tool in my toolbox that I can use when it feels necessary. So I highly recommend doing that. Um, I'm reading again. I'm currently reading a book called Codependent No More, which one of my favorite TikTokers, White Woman Whisper, who's a anti-racist advocate on social media. She's half black, half Jewish, and she's wonderful. She was reading the book on a live and I was like, oh my God, I love that you have the book that I have. It felt very validating. But it's just about having to control. My therapist always says like, you've 100% over your 50% in any relationship. So it's about reclaiming your 100%, reclaiming your time. And as Katie Porter and a lot of funny politicians always say, reclaiming what's yours to claim and then letting go of what's not yours to claim. One of the quotes in the book that's really like kind of stuck with me is like, when you are trying to control things outside of your sphere of control, you are being controlled by that thing, which has really kind of like changed my mindset. Just about trying to work to like own what's mine. Um, as Whitney Cummings says on her podcast, like clean your side of the street before you talk about someone else about theirs. So it really just helping me kind of like get myself centered, balanced, mindful, all those great things before like I, I don't know, before I bring up a conflict or before I think of things with others or before I say anything. Cause I think that, um, I don't know where it's going with that, but yes. Do my best, try my best for myself and for those around me. Goodness, I got my COVID booster, the Omicron booster a few days ago. So I'm a little head coffee flowy. So pardon me, I'm still not over it apparently. What else? What else have I been consumed by? I'm rewatching Grey's. I finally caught up. And with the season 18 finale, which is also their 400th episodes, I'm very excited to see how they're going to start season 19. I hope they make it to 20 seasons. Like that's my goal. I mean, I'm gonna watch as long as they have the show, but it's crazy to me. One, that they've had 400 episodes and two, like that, at least from what I've been seeing in the press and such things, it's like they're trying to reboot the show without ever going off the air, which if they're able to do successfully is kind of iconic. Like, they didn't need to be like Gossip Girl or like the multiverse or like do a thing where they had to like, like Pretty Little Liars where they've done like two iterations. Like they completely re, it appears are like restarting the show with like a brand new set of interns. That's gonna be the main focus without ever going off the air which I'm really curious to see how it's gonna go. Um, The Great British Bake Off, which I'm curious why. I've never been able to find an answer to why it's called the Great B British, the Great British Baking Show in America now, but it used to be the Great British Bake Off. So I'm curious the legality because I'm sure that's why Netflix had to change it. But that season just started. So that's exciting. 
We are now in the countdown to, well, we're not in the countdown to birth month. We're like in the 30 days before my birthday, which obviously I'm excited about. And what else is happening? In a few weeks from when this is getting released, I'll be throwing my cousin's baby shower, which I'm super, super excited to do. I, my decorations have already come. I've measured everything, measured the space. I know where I want things to go. I just need to do a little bit more. Like event planning has always been like a hobby of mine. It's something I enjoy doing but the thing that sucks about event planning is like you do as much prep as you can but it's really like a get ready and then a wait situation because you can't set up things like months in advance I can't blow balloons up like a month in advance and like prep it so it's like I have to do a lot of work then wait and then have the event come out so I did as much as I can for now and so now it's kind of about waiting and figuring out what else if anything else I would like to add to said event a few more ideas a few last minute things that I'm waiting on purchasing but I think think we'll be ready and excited and I'm excited to do everything. My birthday plans aren't fully set yet. I think I know what I want to do. I have like an idea but execution we still have a little bit to work on. Um, oh my god I can't believe I didn't remember that. Let me see. I need to make sure. I'm trying to be authentic here that everything I'm speaking about did start. Okay well it technically started at the end of August and only one episode has gone into September but it was like August 23rd is when it started so I'm still gonna count it in this month because I can't. It's my show. But Meghan Markle launched her podcast Archetypes and I only released three episodes and unfortunately the fourth one I was looking looking I was looking forward to. It's with Margaret Cho. Obviously it's got postponed because of the passing of Queen Elizabeth II which I totally get from like the morning period and such but I was really looking forward to that one but I really like the other three the first one was on the word ambition and they had she had Serena Williams come on and talk about that as well as her pivot from tennis to other endeavors and then the next word was diva which she had Mariah Carey on to speak about the good the bad the origin of the word and then the third episode was about Mindy Kaling and about being a single woman over a certain age and I really like the episodes I like the way they interject science and research I like the way they incorporate other prominent people as well into the episodes and when they do real clips like in the first episode with Serena Williams Megan inserted clips of men getting mad at tennis games but not getting called out the way Serena ever did which we obviously know happens and depending on the day and how much fight we have we're willing to like duke it out but it was really surprising watching a montage of all of these men who didn't get nearly treated the, as poorly as Serena did braid the refs probably because she's a black woman they did it twice as bad as she ever did and receive no punishment whatsoever if not be praised for their assertiveness their passion their ambition which I mean it's not surprising but it's frustrating of course and then Mariah Carey and the word diva I didn't realize that the origin of the word came from opera and was quite praiseful for a bit and then of course it pivoted and Mindy Kaling's was great listening not so much about her and her singleness and having her kids but I did relate a lot having a single mom myself but I loved her talking about she just exudes so much confidence she had a quote about like if I can't I don't remember the exact quote but it was something about her saying like if at this point in my career I'm still like standing with my head down like I must be chronically or horribly horribly unconfident in the rooms I'm getting introduced like the rooms I'm entering because like she's been given 
and worked for some amazing opportunities and if she's still unable to accept or like take in all of that goodness something must be much much deeper than like even what's on the surface can help and I really respected her way of looking at that and it's something I want to try to do going forward because I think it's important. I think we've conflated a lot about being confident and being humble, but then also like knowing your worth, but not pushing too much. And I feel like it really is contextual. It really is the situation you're in, reading the room, knowing the right thing to say, when in fact there is no right thing to say because you never know what anyone exactly wants to hear. But ooh, that's just kind of my two cents of that whole thing. But I've been loving listening to her podcast. Of course, I'm still diehard gushing over the Drama Queens podcast from the ladies of One Tree Hill. The one that came out as I'm recording this that I was, I wasn't super excited for the episode because it's episode 316, the school shooting episode. But I was very excited to hear their takes and listen to them talk through it and something that I really appreciated was they were able to unfortunately he was willing to have their school shooter come on the episode with them it starts and Sophia Bush is just bawling they're all crying it's a very somber episode I respect a lot that they didn't have ads running in this episode I'm not surprised because the three women are upstanding and wonderful people but I think it's still something nice that they were able to work out because capitalism um but it was a great episode. I really, I want to read the book that um, Hillary Burton referenced. I think the book itself is called Columbine and it's by one of the original journalists. Um, let me see if I can find it. Basically, I'm going to read the Wikipedia summary because I think this is to her point and to a point that I'm glad that they brought up was, and this is about the author, Dave Cullen. It says, his slate story, The Depressive and the Psychopath five years earlier offered the first diagnosis of the killers by the team of psychologists and psychiatrists brought into the case by the FBI. Publication was timed to coincide with the 10th anniversary of the massacre which occurred April 20th 1999. Blah 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 bestsellers. The book gained considerable media attention for addressing many of the so-called Columbine myths widely taken for granted. According to the book the massacre had nothing to do with the school bullies jocks the gothic subculture Marilyn Manson or the trench coat mafia. Colin also writes the attack was intended primarily as a bombing rather than a school shooting and that Harris and Kelbold intended to perpetrate the worst terrorist attack in American history. And then one of the quotes was, what good can a new book on Columbine do? Mr. Colin's salon coverage had already refuted some of the worst misconceptions about the story in the fall of 1989. Emerging details mostly corroborate what was already known. So something that I didn't know and I'd only recently heard about was that Columbine wasn't this attack by some loner begrudged kids who had no friends and had anger issues that again do your own research but from what I remember hearing and reading that it was based in the anti-semitic Germany people that ideology and they wanted to emulate something similarly to that horrible thing in World War II that begins with an H like they wanted to do that and the school shooting was like a practice for the bombing that they were planning on doing like the shooting was never the option but like I don't know very dark very deep but it was like a thing of for years I think this author who originally profiled and wrote the original synopsis like was working for years to refute that because I think if you go back to any school shooting episode or what we're taught about like sit with the loner kids 
don't leave kids out of games it's like what we were told and I feel like Columbine was in 1999 so in 20 god I don't know at this point years are confusing but in 2022 or 2021 whenever Uvalde was like kids have had plenty of times to learn these lessons and to do this and so I think it's clearly it's not about bullying it's not about the loner kids I'm not saying those things are helpful and I'm not saying that kids aren't mean but I think that it's important to realize some of the other things like one thing in their episode that they mentioned which I didn't realize because it's not of my demographic it's not I'm not the target for this is there's a bunch of like compilation videos on YouTube and we've all seen them from Vine compilations to TikTok compilations of trends to stuff but and then there are like the ones that are geared particularly towards young boys which are like the epic fail compilations and which I didn't know because again I'm not this demographic was that people the people with this misogynistic white supremacist ideology will take these compilation videos and like slowly but surely incorporate clips of terrible Daily Wire, Fox News, Breitbart people into these things and like start to radicalize young boys and like if you don't watch those compilations you don't see it happening it's like a few second clip in a 20 minute video like you're not gonna you don't think it's there it's kind of like I remember there was like a YouTube thing happening a while ago I think they call it like uh, they call it like ad gate where all of a sudden it was becoming aware that like in, vi- in like montages of like Peppa Pig they were doing like people getting their head cut off and some very inappropriate things so YouTube like all sponsors dropped and it was like a huge mess and like a huge thing these videos of radicalizing young boys is still happening and I didn't realize this or I didn't realize how I've always heard about I've seen various people I know Sarah Silverman did this experiment and I've seen people do it in real time where they like create fake profiles and like they like show the quick pipeline between searching up like someone like I don't want to say his name but like searching someone like (laughs) his initials are BS like Ben (laughs) and then like how quickly you start getting things from other people like the guy who was in court and who kept lying in court and then people who and then similarly to like the insurrectionist president and how much this can build and build and build if you let it take you if you let the false news and the fake news become your reality because obviously your perception is what you're going to view in reality which again horrible but it's the truth and we need to be careful of what people are watching and I think it's not just we have to see which kids aren't eating a lot it's like which kids are having these radicalized thoughts which kids aren't getting watched online or aren't getting whose parents aren't supervising what they're watching online and I think it's hard I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do but I think it's part of the responsibility of parenting in this generation is being aware of what your child is watching and consuming online and it also real I feel terrible and no wonder millennials and zillennials are so traumatized because all of these kids who were loners and who were quiet and who might have been goth and might have been like quote unquote like on the fringe of high school not really fit in were like all kind of marketed as like oh are you a school shooter could you be a school shooter like school shooter energy like which wasn't the case at all they never would have that wasn't their mindset it wasn't because they were on the fringe and I think the harm and like they talked about this in the One Tree Hill episode is like a lot of the school shooting episodes whether you take it like Rick in Degrassi who I thought was another good example you see him just getting bullied and bullied and bullied and bullied granted he did hit his girlfriend I'm not saying he deserved the bullying that happened to him and he shouldn't have obviously shot Drake (laughs) it's like it was always the perpetual like the bullied bully and then when they get their breaking point they shoot but that's much more even high level if not just not as accurate as 
boys who are getting radicalized and getting pulled by media and pulled by things that are slipping by subtly under the radar that we're not calling and we're not catching that those are the school shooters like it's not just like oh like the lonely kid or the lonely male it's like the lonely male who's consuming this kind of bad media who's getting these ideas in their head and that's another side of the story which is not spoken about enough which we need to speak about more and I think like now I'm curious I might read the Columbine book because I want to just know more about like the holistic side of it because every school shooting was always about like make sure your kid sits with the lonely kid but then also I worked with kids and granted I was a kid mostly when I did this but it's like it's hard to explain to a kid why that kid doesn't want to be your friend and then it's also hard to explain to that same kid who doesn't like want that like well, well this person wants to be friends but I want to be friends with that person and like as adults we understand that but we have a bigger scope and for kids it's everything kids don't have the scope so when in the one tree hill episode like god I, i'm gonna tear up thinking about it, like when keith is speaking to jimmy right before jimmy as we all know say on the online because apparently it won't get flagged but it's nowhere near as good before jimmy unalives himself he's like it just hurts so much and like everyone's been trying to tell him it's gonna get better it's gonna get better it's gonna get better but it's the thing of like when your whole scope of everything you know is that bad to have the faith it'll get better is hard and I like that they ended up calling this episode although it was like a quote-unquote school shooting episode the result was a suicide no one died at the school shooting except for Jimmy who couldn't take it anymore and I think that was a very necessary and a good perspective to have similarly to I honestly don't remember I think I don't remember how the end of Degrassi oh I think either he unalives himself or maybe Sean unalives him I don't remember but like we need to work in modern day to stop the narrative of like who's more likely to and like focus on the real people most likely to people as Sophie Bush says who are getting radicalized by these people and who are falling into these thoughts because if your kid doesn't have that many friends in school it doesn't mean anything bad it kind of on a much lighter note it reminds me of the episode in Gilmore Girls where Rory gets asked to join the Puffs which is where our intro before in season one came from my little intro that I made like it's like this the it was like the culty chant of the organization um but she was asked to make quote unquote make friends her guidance counselor pulled her she's like you need to make friends at the time Rory was still living in Stars Hollow she was dating Dean it was before he got super toxic and she's like best friends with Lane but because at the school she would choose to read during lunch her guidance counselor pulled her and was like hey like you need to make friends it's important for your college career that you're social but like she was social she didn't want to socialize at school and by her trying to she ends up getting into this kind of like creepy elitist like swords and daggers like organization thing which is hilarious but like it's just something that like because they're not socializing in school because you don't feel like you're seeing it doesn't mean it's not happening she had friends outside she had a good relationship with her mom she was seeing her grandparents on a weekly basis she wasn't a loner kid it was that she chose to be alone and I think that's the other thing is that every child every person is different and like being able to reflect on like what needing to use your whole brain you're thinking fast and you're thinking slow and your prefrontal cortex and all of it to really evaluate a situation rather than being like oh you look like you might be so we're gonna call it this and do this like it's just wrong of course I end up with a very dark rant I'm going through my favorite things I'm going through my favorite movies and shows and stuff and of course we end with me once again needing to get on a soapbox about gun violence and per and getting news stories accurately portrayed which I think is very fitting to things that are my favorite my favorite things are spreading awareness and helping to trying to be a source of accurate good information in the world so yeah 
We'll catch you next week. Remember the intro, not the intro. We're doing the outro. You got this. Thank you for listening to this week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of In Omnia Pradas. Don't forget to rate, download, and follow on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. As always, where you lead, we'll follow. So head on over to at In Omnia Pod on Instagram and let us know what you'd like to hear about in the comments. And wish me a happy birthday and send me ideas because I'll try to finalize that. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs>